Blog Talk Radio. Shirts Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm your host, Russell Hartman, and joining me this week is my good friend and pal, as well as staff writer for Forever Blue Shirts, Mr. Kevin Kruby. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. You, you introduced me like I'm never on the show anymore. I feel you know a little weird. About I always that. like giving everyone a nice intro. Oh, it's like a nice intro. I think you everyone know, deserves you a nice background. <laughs> So before we jump into everything, uh, I'd like everyone to know our special guest today is Mr. Steve Cornianos. As most of you know him as the draft analyst. He's going to be on with us for almost the entire show, talking prospects, talking draft. Yes, we're going to talk about Capo Caco, of course. We're also going to discuss who the Rangers should pick at 20th, if they might make a trade to move up, and just how much their pipeline has improved over the past year. Since, well, I guess more, a little more than a year since well, yeah, the over came a year out. Well, yeah, a year and uh, a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the Rangers, I think it's important to talk about the Stanley Cup final. Uh, last night, the St. Louis Blues took a 3-2 to two lead in the best of seven series. Uh, they won in TD Garden by a score of 2-1. to one. Uh, And the play that everyone's talking about, uh, Noel Achari gets tripped. Yeah, by Tyler Bozak. Tyler Bozak. And the Blues end up scoring immediately after to take a 2 nothing lead uh, in the game. So the big thing on Twitter today, the big thing I'm seeing is, you know, the officiating has just been terrible throughout these playoffs. Well, there's no doubt about that. You can even recall like a similar play that uh, even though the whistle blew, Brad Martian punched, I think it was against who was Canes or was it the series before them? Oh, you know, I or, forget exactly. But, but I think it might've punched, been the blue jackets. It might've been the blue jackets. And like, you know, just, a, it, it, was, it wasn't even a soccer punch. It was just, it was just blatantly just beating on a guy that wasn't, I guess it is a soccer. That's a definite soccer punch. He sucker punched him in the back. And it's just like, you know, now that Bruce Cassidy is calling, like, oh, you know, these calls have been horrendous, this and that. We're not getting the power plays we used to get. It's just, you can't complain about this. You guys get away with everything. Brad Martian literally licks people for a living, and you're going to complain that you're not getting a slew foot in the Stanley Cup finals? Everybody knows that the, that the, the, the rule books are out in overtime, especially in the playoffs, and especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, they, you can you can make a comparison for anything, any sport, anywhere. But once you get to the finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's no rules. Like, unless, like that was pretty blatant. Don't get me wrong. I'm pr- I'd be pretty mad if I was Bruins then too. But you have to just expect it. The rules kind of getting very strangely interpreted. I feel like, but that's been the whole playoffs. I mean, you know, people have been saying about the Golden Knights how they got screwed in Game Seven against the San Jose Sharks with that mm. call. You know, it's Brad Marchand hitting a guy in the back of the head. You know, it's it's been a lot of things these playoffs. And, you know, this is just another thing in a long line of, you know, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy, I believe, put it last night at his press conference. Bruce Cassidy is the head coach of the Boston Bruins. He was saying that this kind of looks like a black eye on the, on the league right now. And well, I mean, the league really the league has a lot of problems with it. I mean, like you we, we can we can sugarcoat the league all we want. We could be happy that, you know, 
they're adding new teams and doing all this great stuff in the Winter Classic and the Stadium Series. The bottom line is the, the NHL is a flawed, like a flawed uh, sports system, I guess is what you want to call it. It's just, it's it, it's hard. You, it's hard to make the right calls in right crunch call. time. Yeah, like, I it's agree. It's different if if it was a small play, like you know the ref didn't see it, but it was right in front. No, of No, but face. this was a Stanley Cup it's final Stanley game Cup winning final, goal. But he's right in front yeah. of his face. And now yeah, St. Yeah. Louis goes back, game up, back to home ice. Where they With do... a chance to win their first cup in franchise history. Yeah, so, I mean... and well, I think the last time they were in the playoffs was against the Bruins anyway. Yeah, and so... you know, it's, it's funny. I've seen on Twitter today, uh, P.O. posting, uh, especially thought a funny tweet was from Sarah Sivian, who writes for The Athletics. She covers the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, she's originally from Boston, and one of the tweets she put out today was uh, – it said, uh, so we're all cool with bad officiating as long as it's against the Boston Bruins. Is that what, is that the vibe I'm getting? And a lot of people underneath that tweet were like, yeah, yeah I yeah, guess that's, that's okay. And I, you know I, what? It's I, like I, the maps that they have. You know, like the maps <laughs> yeah, where it's like, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. who's rooting for the Bruins, and then everybody else is for the Blues. You saw it every series before. Yeah, this. and you, you know do it with the, the Patriots, too. I'll okay. say this. Look, the Boston Bruins, obviously, a lot of people do not like the Boston Bruins. Uh, I'm not saying what happened to them was right. I think they honestly did get screwed out of that game last night. But I'll say this. They don't really have my sympathies. And I know a lot of people might go, oh, no, you shouldn't have a feeling. Well, you know, when your star player punches someone in the back of the head, these playoffs basically gets away with the whole thing. Their karma comes back. Yeah, like licking people. Like the antics are really getting. It's not like the the, the refs don't have social media. They know who they're playing. The antics are getting ridiculous. I honestly, I just, I don't. I don't know what to say about Brad. Like I don't know what to say about the Bruins. They don't have my sympathies. You know, it's not like they played well anyway. They didn't. They, they didn't. They didn't do well on their power yeah. plays the first two. Periods. Like like you the said, the third period they came alive a little bit, but it's just too little, too late. Even without this goal, the Blues hit two posts. Rask made an incredible save in the first. Yeah. It was the first period. It's just you know, like the Blues played better. They deserved to win the hockey yeah. game, and even without this play. You know the the Bruins should still be mad at themselves. It it doesn't it doesn't help that Chara is basically no. And and I honestly I feel for Zdeno Chara. That was yeah. that's tough to play it's, through that. But at the same you know, time, Stepan scored two goals with a broken jaw. So did. I don't know what Chara's excuse but, is. But you know, point being, the officiating probably is something that desperately needs to be looked at this before is, next this season. This is something that you know you need to take a look at the rule book. You need to start calling things like they're meant to be called. Because it's starting to cost people series, games, it's and it's troublesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we can joke, you know, it's against the Bruins who cares, but if it was your team, you'd be very yeah, exactly. upset. And if it was the Rangers, we'd be yeah. very upset. Yeah, we, we'd be yelling right now about, like, yeah. how, how, how crappy this whole situation is. They, like, all oh, the refs aren't on them. You know, you can make the same comparison to Henrik Lundqvist getting, getting bodied before laying in the game-winning goal. Absolutely. You can make that same exact comparison, and it's a completely diff- different situation because we're on the losing side. Absolutely. And, you know, people I talk to now still remember the Dwight King goal. You remember how he just buried himself in the Herrick Lundquist, basically tackled him, and then Herrick Lundquist got the scored on. That changed the whole series. Right and there. you have to remember, too, the Jake Muzzin knee-on-knee hit on Zuccarello that Zuccarello yeah. somehow got called for. I mean, Yeah, now, I don't uh, know how that's possible. That series against the Kings was some of the worst officiating I've, I've, I've possibly ever we, seen. We, it's, I think yeah. it's just a, co- it's a common theme now. It's just bad officiating in the finals. I mean, if we keep seeing this, it's just it's not like it's not like Gary Bettman's going to step in and be like, okay, we need new officials. No, but something desperately needs. I, I, even if you, you have you a summary, you talk to you, officials. It's, it's hard to make a, a challenge off of that. It's hard to make some sort of tangible thing so, like, you know, the refs are accountable. It's just the worst part about this is these are supposed to be the best referees in the game. And they're making crappy calls like this. It doesn't bode well for the NHL. No, it does not bode well for the NHL. I mean, look, if, if this is how we're going to start. If this is, or if you're saying this is now the standard, that's not a good thing. It's not either. a good standard. You really, not, you really need to take a look. We've seen better officiating. It's just. 
look, I mean, I'm sure the refs are also tired. They have to skate with them. I'm not, I'm not trying to sympathize with the refs. It's just like they're human also. But, but you it, can't it's make a little these bit, kinds it's a little of bit like, mistakes. oh, you missed a cross check or you missed a high stick here or there. You missed someone fall flat on his ass. Not, oh, he, he, I think he's in concussion protocol now, which is, which, which is, which is crazy. It's just. It's, it's troublesome to me because of what this is kind of saying for the playoffs going forward. I mean, I understand little mistakes. Mm-hmm. Everyone can understand yeah. that. But when it comes down to it, you really need to learn that things like this. Look, it was blatant. It wasn't that it was behind the play. No. I mean, this guy got tripped right there. Yeah. And right it's not there. like with the stick. It, it, Tyler Bozak kept his leg out. He could have easily moved his leg and then gave up on the play a little bit to avoid a penalty. I mean, like any other situation, he would have gotten called. But just for some reason, it's either the ref, you know, has some personal vendetta that he wants to, you know, get back at them. It's like he probably didn't think it was going to end up being a, a goal. Oh, you no, think, you of course think, not. Think of it yeah. this way. It won't be getting the attention it did now if it wasn't a goal. And it wouldn't be getting the attention now if it wasn't the game-winning goal. So it's just – it's all about, like, you know, the situation, you know, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's just it's, – they're just bad. The yeah. refs are just bad. Yeah. It comes down that we always complain about the officiating every time we review a game afterwards. Absolutely. Even if it's on our side, we can still see it's like, wow, we really shouldn't have gotten that power play that led to this goal. Wow, we really shouldn't be, you know, uh, five on three. Or it's like, oh, where's the cross check for that? Or where's the high stick? He's bleeding, this and that. Now, another topic I'd like to discuss mm-hmm. before uh, Steve joins us. Uh, an article came out today, Larry Brooks from the Post. Uh, I know we, a lot of us feel different ways about Brooksy. Oh, Brooksy! But uh, Brooksy's piece today was about uh, John Davidson and about how John Davidson is also focusing on revamping uh, the Hartford Wolfpack. That's an important uh, aspect. I feel like a lot of people do discredit the AHL, just like with any affiliate team, you know, in a lower league. It's you, they don't realize that these, you need a good team around there to help these guys transition to the NHL better, especially defensemen. You need a winning culture, and you it do. starts it starts with your AHL farm system. You look at the best teams in the league now, the Syracuse Crunch, mm-hmm. uh, the Toronto Marlies, the Charlotte Checkers. I mean, all of these kinds of teams, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes are just – if they need a guy, they call them up from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. The Maple Leafs, they need to fill a spot, you call them up from the Marlies. Tampa, they keep calling these this, guys up from Syracuse. You this, need this, a, goes down, this goes down to the fact that – all of these franchises have a significant amount of draft picks prior. They were rebuilding teams. Um, I don't know as much as the Tampa Bay Lightning in recent years, mm-hmm. but Toronto and Carolina especially, these guys, you know, they got better picks. They got better players back when they sold at the deadline. And, you know, that's why they have a good AHL team. But it goes back down, like, who are your coaches? Who, yeah. who, what veterans are on the team to help guide these younger players? Because if you you can't just have an AHL team of 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. Oh no, you, you can't. can't. You, you have, have to. A lot of people AHL might, might mm-hmm. think that, but you know, I, I, like you have Matalesky down there. You know, you have to make AHL signings, and then let's say worst case scenario, like one of your fourth line guys or third line guys goes down, and then you can bring the guy up if there's no, no contract, you know, issue. Something important to point out is uh, in the article that Brooksy released today, Davidson talks about how you need to have guys like Mark Latestu. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that, a little older guys that kind of know what their career's at. Guys that are willing to help out the young kids, trying to establish that culture. I mean, there's a reason we haven't seen a head coach in Hartford named yet. There's a reason that a lot of things about Hartford are kind of up in the air right now because they're really focusing on making Hartford a pipeline and not a place where prospects kind of go to shrivel up. Yeah. You, want to, you want to instill this culture down there where they, these prospects, these, the management down there from the coaches, the player, everything, they feel like they are on, you know, on a part of this organization. 
They are fueling the big club. Mm -hmm. And an important point I want to point out as well, uh, Stephen Vogel, who a lot of you know as Stapaway Stephen on Twitter, he pointed out uh, to a bunch of us today in our chat that a good thing might be just to rebrand the Hartford Wolfpack. And, you know, he elaborated on that in saying that, you know, if you look at the jerseys of the Syracuse Crunch, you look at the jerseys of the, uh, the you know, Carolina's farm team, you look at the jerseys of the Marlies, they all look and have the same kind of color scheme that the big clubs do. Mm-hmm. It helps establish this bond that I think the Rangers really need to start focusing on. And, you know, even if you don't change the name, or even if you do want to do something as radical as changing well, we the saw, name, you know, what happened with the Connecticut Whale. Well. Yeah. But, I mean, give them the red, white, and the blue. Yeah. Give them the, the colors that it's we have. It's still a little offset, but you're right. It's it, a little bit, it's the little things that go a long mm-hmm. way. And, Going back to your comment about, you know, these these younger guys need to have a winning culture. You know, you, you throw Elias Anderson down there for a good example. This guy has been up and down between the minors. You know, a lot of people are getting impatient with his play. Let's be realistic. He's only – he's not even 21 yet. So, let's be he, – he is – you know, he needs to get some consistent playing time, whether it's in the AHL or the NHL. But if you have a bad team – like, I think they were on the bottom of the standings also, the Hartford Wolfpack. I think they might have been last in their division. So you can't have a losing culture and then expect like, oh, the rebuild's going great, guys. It's like, no, it starts from the bottom going up. If the, if your NHL team is doing great and your AHL team is doing bad, that means if anybody gets hurt, you're screwed. That means there's no players that can fill your spot and do just as well of a job that your NHL players are doing. Yeah, and, you know, this all kind of ties together. Yeah. You know, you're rebuilding this franchise – you realize that the Rangers were not where they need to be. And you know what? Even taking a deeper look, like we're doing now, the AHL is not where it needs to be. The NHL is not where it needs to be. There's so many factors into this rebuild. You know, people are calling it a rebuild on a fly rebuild, but it's not now. It's, it's, it's clear based it's on this season. Rebuild. We're going on full. And you know what? You need some veterans. So people say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, the Crier's still around. The Banjad's still around. But, you know, Shattenkirk's around. But you need some veterans on your team as yeah. well. You can't just you can't, toss out a team you, of you 18, 19, 20. Oilers. No, you can't. You can't be. So and they're doing things the right run. way. They're trading the right guys. They're getting value back. I mean, look, if we want to even go back to last year, mm-hmm. you want to talk about Rick Nash. That was a that was a coup. That trade, you know, you get Ryan Lindgren, who mm-hmm. hopefully he can turn into something. You get a first rounder. You know, you have a contract in Matt Pileski, which looks like they might, you know. Yeah. Honestly, at this point. Was Rob O'Gara part of that trade? Rob O'Gara okay, was part, of that, part of that trade. And yeah. a guy like Pileski, you know, you keep him down in the AHL. Let him nurture some of these. He's let him be a veteran the presence guys, down there. It's not like these other teams don't have these veterans that want to try to get back into the, in the NHL. These guys are doing anything. They'll, they'll fight these younger guys. They'll throw big hits around. They'll block shots. They'll do all the gritty things that you want a fourth-line player to do. And then when they finally get called up, you don't have to worry about it. But all of these AHL teams have that. And it's, it's lucky that the, the, the Rangers have Bolesky for another year. But it's not enough. So, okay. You're, you're, you've got Jeff Gordon and John, and John Davidson. You know, mm-hmm. You're in that room with them. What's, what's the first step you would take right now to help out Hartford down there? I would hire a new coach. I would hire a coach probably – I don't want to go the David – I don't want to go the Quinn route. But, you know, you want somebody with some NHL experience. I'm not saying a head coach from the NHL. They'll probably have some sort of bench job. But maybe a bench coach that wants to get some head coaching experience. Um, I think it starts from that. I think starting, you know, getting a guy that can learn the roster, pick his staff, and, you know, bring everybody together and develop a winning culture in the AHL, like right off the bat, then that's something good. Then you can work on, like, the small things like rebranding the jerseys, you know, possibly a name change 
all these things that can happen in the next year. But right now, you need to ha- establish some sort of consistency because all this inconsistency, it, it happens. You get, you call players up, you lose players from your lineup out of nowhere. Then you have to deep, de- you have to dig down even deeper into into Maine. So it's it's it, 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 it's troublesome. It's just you have to have somebody that knows how to deal with new players consistently. And you need to have someone that knows how to bring younger guys together. Absolutely. So hopefully, uh, you know, all of this leads to Hartford becoming a nice pipeline for us and not just a place where you just throw some prospects. And but also, it also does help that you're getting better prospects. Oh, yeah. It absolutely. does. I mean, that, that is the bottom line. The better prospects you have, the better players you have, the better. Because players. with all the defensemen that they've been signing um, and all the, you know, there's even more forward prospects. Hartford, Hartford's going to have a nice injection of talent this year. The big club will as well. But, you know, Hartford's going to have a nice injection of young talent. Another topic I'd like to discuss before we're joined by Steve is the current rumors that the Rangers third jersey will feature the Lady Liberty crest in some form. Um, I know a lot of people, myself included, would love to see the return of either the uh, the dark blue or the white Lady Liberty jerseys that the Rangers wore from the late 90s into the basically about, I believe, a season or two after the lockout in 05. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic jerseys, fantastic great thirds. Jerseys. Uh, I'm, I've always been – that's always been, like, m- probably my favorite. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we see the Stadium Series jerseys and the Winter Classic jerseys, and they're the same crap. It's New York or the Rangers. Across. Yeah. And the only one that was really different was the the Shield in their first Winter which Classic. Which was a really cool Florida. jersey. That, and which like, is a great cream, jersey. That cream it's color. weird, though, because, yeah. like, you wear it, and it kind of, like, bounces off. Yeah, the yeah. But it's a cool jersey. It's different. It was great. It was a different color scheme. It was – it was the same color scheme. But the different – like you said, it's an off-brand kind of cream. But – you know, the Lady Liberty was like a, a huge statement. It was different. It was great. And it tied in with the the um the New York Liberties, the, the WNBA. Yeah. And which also is, which, is, which is cool because they play in the same building. Why not? And also to remember, like one of the coolest Ranger jerseys I think any Ranger fan can own is probably like a white Lady Liberty Wayne Gretzky. Are you jersey are you there. trying to say that you have a white No, I wish I, I have a, I have, I have a white Liberty jersey, but yeah. it's blank right now. I'm still trying to decide what I want on it. But well, you, know, you could you could get somebody older, you could yeah, or, I mean, look. Or you can read it blank. It's like you never know. Basically, you know, they were like, and I know there's a division of the fan base that hates those jerseys too, which I can never understand. I think those jerseys. Well, are it's, it's not like we're talking about. It's gonna be their new home jersey. It's an alternate. They're gonna wear one out of five games at home. It's mm-hmm, not gonna mm-hmm. be anything crazy. It's just it's different. It's it's a bold move. The Rangers never taken any these bold moves on their own. So. So what do you think? Do you think that I would that, love, that's the return? I would love if that's the third jersey. Yeah. Do you think there's any other options that they're looking at? Well, you showed me something recently, as in like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> with the <laughs> same like crest from the Winter ago. Classic, mm-hmm. which was that it was a different shade of blue. It was a little bit darker, um, but it was uh, it was nice. It, it was a different it was a different change of pace. But uh, I know a lot of people don't like this, but I think uh, NHL 19 had like these weird jerseys. Oh, those were bad. You didn't like that, like the blown up crest? All over the jersey. I thought that was pretty cool. It was different. You can't just have the same thing. It was over different. And over. Those jerseys were not It's original good. six. Good. Yeah. I'm glad it's the original six. I'm glad we have all this history. But those jerseys were not good. I like those jerseys. Whatever, man. I mean, look, look right up there. Look right on my wall. There's, the, <laughs> there's one different jersey from the rest of them. It is, and it's the Liberty jersey. It's literally yeah, the right. Liberty jersey. Yeah. It's just. If they try something new, I'd be happy with it. If it's the same old New York, like with the Heritage jersey. Oh, the Heritage jersey. The Heritage jersey is nice. nice. It's, just, it's, the, nice. it's the same. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we're not no, going to you know. You know who should be on this to talk about it? Who? Jail. He should be, right? Like you, you had to spring this conversation on I mean, that, that can happen, right? It could happen in like two like seconds. Like right now. Yeah. Jail! Jail, Welcome, how you doing, bud? man? 
Hey! Oh my gosh, what a coincidence that you just mentioned my name and I just somehow managed to pop up here. Oh my gosh. JL, you know, for everyone, by the way, John Luke Shapiro, the voice of the intro of Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Fantastic writer. Let's give him a round of applause. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to go, JL. Oh, please. Guys, JL, stop, you, please. You're embarrassing you me. Mr. Statboy, you and Mr. Statboy are, the, are our Jersey guys in the group. You guys love uh-huh. them. You guys are very stickler about them. But it's great. You guys, you know, you guys know what you want. You know, we're talking about the Liberty jerseys. We're talking about what this possible third jersey is going to look like. When do you think will be a great time to reveal it? And are you on board with this Lady Liberty renaissance that most of Rangers Twitter and a lot of fans seem to be on right now? Okay, one, yes, I am on the renaissance for Lady Liberty. I honestly think they've been way overdue for it. I have nothing against the Heritage jersey, which I thought was a phenomenal design in its own right. But, I mean, you got to stick with what people liked. And like Kevin said, you know, in his incoherent yelling, um, that – It's not incoherent. Everybody's a little loud. Everybody loved the the Lady Liberty jersey. I have two Lady Liberty jerseys myself. I own a Brandon Shanahan alternate captain Lady Liberty home, and I also own a Bobby Holik jersey. Don't yell at it. And the perfect perfect time, I think, for them to unveil that jersey would would honestly be the the draft. And I'm sure other people have echoed those sentiments where, you you know, now selecting number two from TPS Turku, Capo Caco comes on the stage and bam, there's the third jersey. Teams have done that before. So I don't see why they they shouldn't do it here. Maybe they surprise us. Who knows? We'll find out. But I think that would be a good time to do it. With the second overall pick. Yeah. Boom. You would reveal your third jersey. Capo Caco comes out with the Lady Liberty crest. I mean, that would be be really special. I, I think I would die right there. That's it. It's over. No more net, no more Rangers for me. Right? And I mean, and then you know, like, you know, Kako comes out with that jersey with the number he's going to wear next year. The Rangers, boom, right on the website, start selling them, right? Poor Boo Nieves. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Boo. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> boo. Another interesting tidbit from today, more regarding more jersey news. Apparently, on Cap Friendly, uh, Sean Day's number has been changed from 74 to 85. Is there someone we know that might be coming here next season who wears number 74, JL? I don't know, but he sounds like a guy who comes from country with accent like this. I want to say his name is Vitaly Kratsov. You might want to correct me on that there, Russell and Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think it's funny how Cap Friendly has it updated. Maybe it's official. Maybe this is just projecting, but... I think personally that these like kind of I guess we'll call them our two super prospects. Yeah. And Kravtsov and Kako in two weeks from now, I think those two are ultimately going to walk into that room and they're going to get what number they want. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also a third super prospect that we uh, don't talk about. Oh, is there? Who? Who's that? Who might that be? Adam Fox. Adam Fox. Yes, Adam Fox. You got to really think like I know we're going to talk about this more with Steve, but how great is it that we really did? Like they still have time to you know do all of this. But we can talk about it later. It's just, Absolutely. It's just, you know, it's great that they really made a turnaround. And, guys, JL, thanks for joining us, buddy. But we will talk Alrighty. to you and to welcome our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show. He's a great friend of the show, Mr. Steve Cornianos, the draft analyst. Steve, welcome back. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Sorry I'm a little late. Uh, I was uh, having some car issues. So uh, thanks for being patient. Oh, it's no problem. I hope your car issues get fixed up, man. I, look, I, my check engine lights come on a bunch of times, and I ignore it, so he, I understand. He ignores it all the time. I'm a little scared getting his car. 
No, well, no, I mean this was my this was all my wife. I'm not. I, I take great care of my car. This is my wife's oh, car. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, your car. Too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I keep my 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 stuff's pretty tight. She she she's had to, I had to jump start her like three times in the last like two weeks. Oh so, man. So uh, I finally just better, took care of it myself. So. Yeah. So Steve, thanks for coming on. You know, you know more about prospects almost anyone in the world man i mean so let's just jump right into it the name every ranger fan has been hearing since the lottery the name we're going to hear at number two in two weeks from tonight i mean he's he's the finished superstar he's going to be on this team soon capo caco you've seen this kid you know what he can do um how, you know just how excited should ranger fans be that they're legitimately going to get like a homegrown kid with superstar potential coming very very soon uh, extremely excited. I mean, it's just never happened in the the franchise's history. If you want to go all the way back to to Brad Park, I mean, but the 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 team wasn't. I guess the the coverage for the draft wasn't that extensive back then. It was more just like a bunch of dudes sitting in a smoky room in a hotel in Canada <laughs> making draft picks. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like anything like it is today, where you have a the suspense, the build up, uh, the lottery. Uh, the media is involved. The fans are involved, and so, the really it was an amazing night when uh, when it was announced that uh, the Rangers got it. Not really because of the fact that they're getting the second overall pick, or it's just more like it's never really happened to the franchise. It, you know, you got to think about it. outside of the Stanley Cup in '94, a couple of deep playoff runs. Like, what's really been exciting <laughs> about being a Ranger fan for the last eighty something years? And so, uh, th- th- I think you got to put it up there with. All the significant events, because whether they get Kako or Hughes, and we, like I said, we still don't know because uh, the draft is this, this particular draft is pretty unpredictable. Uh, it's it could be a franchise-defining moment. You know, they've done a really great job of stockpiling prospects and draft picks and kind of doing this rebuild. And listen, I think all of us during the season, at least I was late in the season, where I'm rooting for them to lose. Uh, so we can you know, get at least get a the sixth pick or the fifth pick or something. Uh, everything changed on that night with the draft lottery. So if you're a Ranger fan right now, whether you're a self-loathing Ranger fan like I am or you're an optimist, uh, you got to be pretty excited about uh, you know what's going to happen on draft day in June in Vancouver. Absolutely. I mean, you know, ever since we saw that, you know. The Rangers moving up. We've all been flipping out about this kid. What makes Kako, in your opinion, uh, or, you know, well, I guess we'll go over Hughes too, but, I mean, it's most likely going to be Kako based on what everyone's been hearing, I suppose. But what makes Kako this can't-miss guy? In your opinion, you know, you've seen him so much. What is it about this kid? Is it his skills? Is it his size? What is the big thing that stands out about him above, you know, the rest of the prospects in the draft? It's his puck control. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's his puck control. I, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff when you when you watching plays, whether they're teenagers or the pros. You look at their shot, you look at their skating, you look at their passing, their vision, their hockey sense, whatever. Uh, to me, I don't think I've ever seen a, Austin Matthews. They're pretty similar in that regard when it comes to the puck puck control inside the off, offensive zone. And the reason why that's important, we could go on and on and why it's important, but the most important thing to me is that it just it wears down a defense. It wears you out. So if if Kako's controlling the puck along the wall or in the corner or behind the net, and it's, let's say, you know, let's say three, four minutes into a game, he's literally sending a message to the opposing team that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I could do whatever I want. I could, I could pivot. 
I could cut back, I could spin, I could, you know, take a quick step, and you, you, you're not going to knock me off my feet, and you're not going to get the puck. And so once he does that, it really, you could just tell when you watch the opponents that he plays against. This is an 18-year-old kid we're talking about playing against grown men uh, in Finland and later on in the World Championships. They had, they had no answer for him. You know, with Jack Hughes, and I love Jack Hughes, and he's my number one-ranked prospect, but at this stage where he's at right now, you know that, okay, Jack Hughes is going to try a one-on-four. He's going to go maybe, uh, you know, if, if you trap him, maybe you, you double-team him up against the wall. Uh, you know, you can knock him off his feet. Uh, Capo did it uh, with ease at the uh, World Championship. <laughs> so you, there's a couple of things that he needs to work on, Hughes, that is, whereas Capo, there's nothing he really needs to work on at. I've never seen a, an elite draft prospect, and I'll, I'll even go one step further, even with Rasmus Dahlin. Uh He had a ton of uh, uh, problems defensively uh, with Berlunda. Turnovers, playing timid, uh, uh, Canada in the World Junior Championship, they were hitting Darlene hard, and it was impacting the way he was moving the puck. And you kind of saw that in Buffalo this year. Yeah, obviously he's going to be a superstar one day, but with Kako, you don't see any of these problems. You don't see him... Overhandle the puck. You don't see him puck hog. You don't see him make bad decisions with the puck. Take low percentage shots. Uh, you know, uh, be out of position. Not pay attention to the defensive zone. All those things that people like to harp on when they're talking about a a special talent. Because there's always a, a small group of people who are like, "Well, he can't play defense," and like it really matters <laughs> in this day and age. You I know, mean, how often uh, do we like, do that? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, you're getting yeah, these yeah, kids results. Like, I'll be honest with you. When I first started, I guess, evaluating prospects, uh, doing it at least uh, lately, I, I did it before, but the last couple of years, in the beginning, I used to care. I used to care about how well a, uh, you know, a, a, an offensive forward cared about defense, and so that would impact how I would assess them. And then after about a year, I realized it's pretty stupid because if you look at all the top plays in the NHL, yeah, you got your Patrice Bergerons and your Jonathan Taveses uh, who – uh, spend a particular amount of time in the defensive zone. If you want to look at it from a Sidney Crosby standpoint, where he's more of a, a, a smart player that helps him defensively, not necessarily like he's a good checker, but he makes the right reads, intercepts passes, back checks, things like that. Uh, you know, with with Kako, like, you know, I mean, even if he was a, a bad defensively, if he, if he didn't care, what he does in the offensive zone is very unique. So in that regard, I, I'm – I'm re- if, if he does go second overall, obviously he's going to play next year, without a doubt. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Rangers deploy him because, in my opinion, outside of maybe he's the manager, uh, he's the second-best player on the team, uh, better than Kreider, better than anybody else. I mean, we all know what Kreider is. He's, it's 50-50. Sometimes he disappears and sometimes he's on his game. With Capco, you never get that. So, uh it's like you said in the opening, it's just a very exciting time to be a Rangers fan right now. And it doesn't even matter what they do with the rest of the draft, to be honest with you. It, you, know, you, you got an A-plus. You, you got the home run. You got your franchise players. So, for once, Rangers fans could rejoice in that and not, you know, worry about, was this guy going to pan out? Is he going to be good? When's he going to play? Is he coming over? Like, all that stuff is out the window. He's going to be a Ranger on opening night, and he's going to be a superstar for the franchise. That is going to be so amazing. You know, the fact that we don't have to worry about, like, an off-board pick for once and mm-hmm. what are they going to do. I mean, everything we've been hearing, MSG Networks, every, you know, people at Scouts, everybody, analysts, this guy is the guy. 
this guy is the guy. It really is a different feel to this year than it really has been in a lot of years. Like, like you said, Steve, you know, some of the things more memorable are all the playoff runs that the Rangers had and, you know, how is this going to affect us in the future after trading away all these guys? But now it's a completely different feel looking in. It's like just, you know, we have hope for the future more than anything else. It's not like, oh, here we go into the playoffs once again. Let's hope we get past the first round this time. But, you know, if, if the Rangers don't get Kakos, they really, like, if the Devils really, like, turn everybody's heads and take Capo Kako, how, like, would you, how how would Jack Hughes, like, how, would, would Jack Hughes really be playing, like, second-line minutes, or would he really, like, start in the third line? I would play him on the second line right away, absolutely. I mean, Jack Hughes, uh, you know, he's been scrutinized a lot more than Kako has been. It, it comes from different areas. I understand why uh, fans and, and followers from Finland are very, uh, I guess, anti-Hughes because there's never been a finished player picked number one overall, and they kind of want that feather in their cap. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Hughes has shown he's has uh, some things to work on. But it, they're so small, and they eventually do get fixed. It's not like when you have an elite talent who's a student of the game. Uh, and if, the thing about Hughes that people need to remember if they're going to knock him, I know Devils fans right now uh, – you know, talking smack about Capco and Ranger fans are talking smack about Hughes. But in the event that it flip-flops and the Devils do take Capco and the Rangers take Hughes, you're looking at arguably the best playmaking center that we've had in the draft outside of Connor McDavid. I mean, you're talking about a uh, – recently, at least, in the last, let's say, seven, eight years. Uh, you're talking about – he's a little bit different than McKinnon, obviously, because of the size. But he has all parts of their games. He has, he has bits of McDavid. He has bits of Crosby. He has bits of McKinnon. He has got a lot, a lot of Patrick Kane in his uh, game as well. So, you know, Pat Kane, when he was a rookie back in 07, 08, he weighed the same as Hughes did. I mean, he was a winger, but he weighed the same, about 5'10", 5'11", seventy. And the kid won the Calder. Patrick Kane won the Calder, and then he was a dominant playoff performer for the Hawks. Uh, so I'm not too worried about Hughes uh, fitting in. Uh, people talking about move him to wing or put him in the AHL. Like, what are you, nuts? He's a fucking <laughs> overall pick. They're not going to put yeah. him in the AHL. I mean, if they're not going to put Nolan Patrick or Nico Heischer in the AHL, then why why would they put Jack Hughes in? Uh, silly talk. Uh, and if you, you know, Hughes is the guy I obviously have seen a lot more because, uh, you know, all the times I go to Plymouth and all the times I, the USHL games that I travel to to see uh, see that team play. Uh, he's just a special kid. Listen, with all due respect to Capo Caco, uh, you know, I, I wasn't like, I got to buy a ticket. I got to go see Capo, Capo Caco play. Like with, with Hughes, you, you have that. It's like almost like a, I'm not going to compare him to Gretzky, but I could say that when I was a young fan going to the garden or going to the Coliseum to see uh, Wayne Gretzky play, it was because you want to see Wayne Gretzky play. That was it. And, uh, Jack Hughes has that feel already that people go to the arenas to watch this kid play. And I'm sure some people could say, well, they do the same with Cackle, but I think on a different scale, Hughes with his dynamism, he's excitable with the puck. Uh, his hockey sense is really crazy. I mean, the way he the sixth sense that he has to, to sense back pressure, to spin away from it, create time and space. It's, he's going to make a lot of people on the ranges, uh, pretty effective goal scorers, guys that we never would even dream score goals. And then you have to factor in, what if he plays in a line with uh, Crabsaw, who's an elite uh, finisher? So, uh, you know, you, you saw Cole Caulfield did playing with Hughes, scoring 70 goals, uh, you know, sets the NTDP record, breaks the record, uh, previous held, held by guys like Kessel and Kane and Eichel and whatever. 
So I, I'm not going to say that Hughes is a consolation prize because, in a way, he really should be the first overall pick. Uh, it's just, like I said, it's a really tough call for Ray Shiro and the Devils. Very easy call for Jeff Gordon and the Rangers. That's pretty much it. I mean, either way, it sounds like Ranger fans are, you know, we have, either way, we're just going to be thrilled. It's a no-lose no no scenario. Yeah. So, you know, all the focus is no kind lose, of yeah. on the second overall. I mean, with, you know, of course, everyone wants Kako. He's an amazing, or Hughes, like we've been saying. But 20th overall is where the Rangers pick next in the first round. Uh, you know, this draft, it seems like 3-20 to 20 could be any order. Even 3-25 to 25 could go any kind of way, in, in, in a way we haven't seen in years at the entry draft. You know, in your, in your opinion, uh, if you give us maybe three guys at 20th overall who you think would be there, who the Rangers should really look to get with that pick, who, uh, what, what are you thinking for 20th overall for Jeff Gordon and John Davidson? Well, I mean, I, as mad as I am to say this, you know, for all of the defensemen that these, these, this team has, has uh, drafted and traded for, um, outside of Adam Fox, maybe Nils Lundqvist, and even on a lesser extent, Joey Keane, but he's an overager. How many, like, dynamic defensemen with the puck do they have? And I'm not talking about Tony D'Angelo or Neil Pionk. I'm talking, like, the next Brian Leach, the guy that you say, listen, you, the power play is yours. You are our number one defenseman. We can match you up against the top line. We could, uh, you know, deploy you 25 to 27 minutes a game just like they did with Leach. You know, at least in the beginning, wasn't all that great defensively, but eventually he learned uh, how to play the position quite well. Obviously, he's the last defenseman to have 100 points in a season in the NHL. So, as a fan, that's what I want them to do. I want them to find that replacement. And with all the respect to all these billions of defensemen that they've accumulated, none of them had that kind of upside. So, as much as I hate to say it, like, if a guy like Billy Hainola or Cam York is there at, at 20, it, it literally they're addressing a major void that the organization just has not had. Now, do you need that to win a Stanley Cup? Do you need that to contend? No. They did pretty well with Ryan McDonough as their number one, and he's the one of the worst power play quarterbacks I think the team ever had, period. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's, it's not his game. It's not what he does. And so, But when you watch a guy like Cam York or uh, Billy Hainola play, and look at the other defensemen, too, in that, in that area, whether it be Broberg or uh, Moritz Sider, Victor Soderstrom, these guys are excellent defensemen in different ways, but they're not like when I watch Cam York play, I see a guy who had arguably five of the top eight picks in this year's draft playing in front of him, five forwards, Hughes, Zegris, Turcotte, Caulfield, and Boldy. And how is a defenseman, if you're going to provide offense, how are you going to provide offense when you have all these dynamic puck movers and puck handlers and shooters and, and playmakers? And he found a way to make it work. If you watch him play, he's not just an offensive defenseman. He delivers some pretty big hits. He destroyed Pud Colson, who's a tank himself uh, uh, at the uh, the under-18. So uh, I, I really like Cam York a lot, I, but I also like Hainola. Hainola's got a little bit of Rasmus Dalin in him in terms of flair and explosiveness. So I think that it adds that element. You, you got a free pick. You trade away Kevin Hayes, you got a free pick at 20. Uh, do they need wingers? Well, listen, if they get Kako and you got Krabsov, uh, you know, you also got Heedle playing wing. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they necessarily need to go for uh, a wing. But then again, what's their mentality going to be? Is it going to be best player available? If you look at some of the picks that they've made, clearly they're not going best player available. You know, taking a, a, a goalie in a high second round, 
even though they'll say, well, he was our best player. Well, okay, you know, I agree to disagree, I guess. But <laughs> I really think that there's a, there's a, a, a chunk of excellent defensemen after Bowen Byram. To me, Bowen Byram uh, is going to be a top five pick. He'll be out of that range. But after Byram, you got about maybe six to seven defensemen that, you know, are going to be number one defensemen in the NHL. Not necessarily superstars, not generational, but they're still going to be uh, be superstars, uh, stars at least, or very good in the NHL, depending on what their surrounding cast is. So that's always an option. Um, center-wise, uh, you know, you look at Lee Sanderson's development, you look at Philip Heedle's development, you look at Brett Hound's development, very good prospects, but are they dynamic? Are they future number ones? Are they going to be 70 to 80 point type guys? Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, but at the same time, you got a lot of good centers that are going to be available in that, in that range. Guys like Ryan Suzuki will be there. Uh, Connor McMichael is going to be there. Um, Phil Tomasino and another uh, OHL kid. So three OHL kids. The only thing is the Rangers don't really draft out of the OHL all that much, especially forwards. I mean, heck, they don't even draft out of the Canadian Hockey League, period, uh, the last few years, unless it's some type of overage during the late rounds. Uh, if you look at their early picks, they've been going USNTDP. They've been going Europe. Uh, so they, they have a lot of options. I, I would even say if Spencer Knight, the goalie's there at 20, you're talking about a future franchise goalie. I know Ranger fans are saying, what are you, nuts? We got Shesterkin. We got uh, uh, Georgiev. But you got to remember that expansion's coming. Uh, and with expansion, you gotta you can only protect so many goalies. Henrik is only under on the contract for so many years, so uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me as much taking Knight there because Knight is heralded as the next Carey Price or the next Lundqvist. He's that good. He's not uh, Olaf Limbaum, who uh, was I guess a uh, real uh, shot in the dark and uh, uh, way off the board pick compared to the consensus. So uh, the draft is pretty deep with center. If they obviously if they take Hughes or Kako and you, you, you get that forward requirement out of the way, they could really they could, they could go in a bunch of directions. But personally, I'd like them to get that defenseman. I'd like them to get the type that they haven't had in a long time, and that's either uh, Hainola or Cam York. Those are the two that I'd be targeting. Now, the Rangers are in a special position. They have a good chunk of draft picks for this season, a little, more, a little bit more for next season. Uh, they have a good chunk of players that they only really have one more year left on their deals. So Vlad Domestikov, Chris Kreider, Ryan Strong, to name a few. What are the, what's the likelihood or just like the possibility that the Rangers trade up? I know there's some teams that are actually in the win-now mode. Like You can even push it to say you could do a mega trade with uh, Colorado for the fourth overall pick if they, you, know, you really think you can go that far. What's the possibility you actually see the Rangers not give up the 20th pick but give up a later round pick and, and, you know, establish players to move up in the first round. Well, it, to be honest with you, I'll listen, the Rangers have traded up before, but when they, and they traded up last year, but it, it came at a pretty high price. And then they, they traded away another second round to, to basically get a first round quality picking Adam Fox. So they, they, in that regard, they're not averse to making those deals. So it's always a possibility to trade into the top 10 is going to be extremely difficult. And I, I think it's slim to none, the chances that it happens, only because if you look at the teams that are picking one through 10, yes, Colorado has that extra pick. But, I mean, why, why would you trade a fourth, a fourth overall pick? What, what could the Rangers possibly offer that they have in their pool um, to a team like Colorado? Uh, so, And the other thing you have to factor in, too, is, the rhetoric coming out of MSG the last, uh, I guess, few months is that they're not, they're, they might be done with the rebuild. That the fact that they got Kako is 
the signal to end it. And they have cap space. Uh, they feel like they might have a couple of years left of Lundqvist. Uh, and worst case scenarios, they could always, uh, you know, resort to Georgiev. Uh, there's always a chance that they're going to go all in and keep Kreider and keep Nemestikov and keep Buchnevich and just build around them and see what happens. Because I think it's very difficult to convince uh, Jim Dolan. Listen, both both the teams in the Garden suck. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They've been terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Ra- the Rangers had some pretty good effort on the Dave Quinn, and that was refreshing. But they still weren't a good team. Uh, whereas the Knicks are just a mess. They're pathetic. So Dolan's got two losing teams. He's got empty seats in April. No one, there's, there's no playoff revenue. Uh, he, 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 he got a brand new building that he refurbished and now no one's going or, you know, you know, he's got some issues in that regard. So I don't know how much longer he could, he could sustain that uh, by trading away roster players to get more futures. You know what I mean? So I, I think that trading up, Although it is a possibility, uh, it would take a lot for them to move into the top 15. Uh, it would really take a lot. And, I mean, if you look at the roster, like I said, they're a losing team. So losing teams usually have losing players. So, like, what if you're a contending team or even you're a team that there's a losing team like the Rangers themselves, what, what are you, why would you give up a Trevor Zegris or an Alex Turcotte or a Kirby Doc? You know, for 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 what, like a, a Chris Kreider and a, and a 35th overall or something like that. So, I think um, it's good to talk about. As fans, we do it all the time. Uh, but I think if they do trade up, it might be like four or five spots, maybe from 20 to 15 or something like that. Uh, but I, I just don't see them going. In, I don't see any teams moving out of the top 10. I mean, Arizona did it, and I think they might when they did it with Stefan. I think they might they might have uh, regretted that move in the long term, but. Uh, you know, even though they've improved standings-wise. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. You know, like I said, it, they, it, but you're right. They, they have a lot of assets. They have a lot of picks. And if you if you look at the Flyers and learn from their lessons, how you could have a zillion prospects, but at some point you're going to block a lot of kids and there's going to be no room for them. So you can't just keep stockpiling picks and stockpiling picks and stockpiling picks. Uh, what's the point? You're going to just create a massive logjam in the prospect pool. So I think the Rangers understand that, and uh, they're all going to – I think they are going to move up. I think you'll see them move up into the fifth round. You know that what do they have? Three sevenths this year, or is it is it three sixths? Is that next year? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's close. Where they have like a stranglehold on the seventh round. It's yeah, they, they have, it's the three it's three picks next year. <laughs> in the seventh round. Yeah, so I mean they could package all three and get like a fifth round. You know what I mean? But uh, you know the, the fact that they already traded that one high second uh, to get Adam Fox um, makes me think that if they move up. They'll be aggressive, and you know, if you listen to the the insiders and you listen to all the people uh, in the uh, credentialed media where they say that there's always talk about moving up. You can even watch the draft floor videos, uh, the, the, the mic'd up sessions that they play after the draft, where all, all the teams are trying to move up. And the bottom line is that GM is, for lack of a better term, is scared because trading away that high pick, you, you could be trading away a future Hall of Famer or a future All-Star for – for what? For uh, you know, uh, a couple of years of a veteran. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Oh, of course. I mean, I feel like this is one of the most interesting off seasons for the NHL in a long time. There's so many moving parts. So many people with cap space. Rumors of offer sheets have been flying around for months now. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, scene and draft night. So, uh, Steve, you know, before the letter came out, 
uh, where Jeff Gordon basically explained to the fans, we know we need to improve this team. It's going to be tough, but we're going to get there. Uh, the Rangers pipeline has consistently been ranked very, very highly since then. You know, you add Fox, Kravtsov, Miller, Lundqvist, Rykov. I mean, you know, you're going to add Kako this year. You're adding these guys. You know, the Rangers haven't had a prospect list in quite some time like this. You know, in your opinion, how just how good of a job has Jeff Gordon done since coming out with the letter? I guess even before you could say, with the, like you uh, referenced the trade with Arizona, uh, with Derek Stepan, just – how much of a turnaround has this been for a team that consistently was, you know, trying to get that guy in free agency, trying to win that way. And to go from that to what we're in now to where, you know, you have a great group of prospects, just, you know, in your opinion, how good of a job has Gordon done since, you know, he's done this turnaround here? I don't think he's done that great of a job, to be honest with you. He was handed a a cup contender and uh, uh, within a matter of uh, what, two seasons, they were uh, out of the playoffs. So, uh, if you look at some, uh, there are a lot of good teams out there, uh, a- Anaheim being one of them, where they're able to make moves and make deals at deadlines to beef up for cup runs and still draft well. And draft by drafting well, I don't mean just first rounders, by drafting fifth rounders and fourth rounders and third rounders that not only contribute in the, uh, you know, beefing up your prospect pool, but you could earmark them as future contributors. Like, hey, you know, one day Tampa Bay's the same way, uh, where they don't need first-round picks all the time. And so people make these excuses. Well, the reason why the Rangers' prospect pool was so poor is because they traded away all these first-round picks. But if you look at the draft that they've made, uh, 14, 15, 16, uh, you know, they, they, these weren't very good drafts. They, they, they passed on a lot of uh, skills. In retrospect, guys that might have uh, been able to help them, because uh, if, if you and look, Rangers fans should know this. This is exactly what happened uh, with the Rangers after the Lundqvist era started, where you looked at the drafts that they made in 2003 and 2004 and 2005 and six and seven, getting Jesper Fast in the sixth round, getting Carl Hagelin in the sixth round, uh, Artem Anisimov getting him in the second round. Uh, you know. Uh, they, they they drafted well. They just did. For, you know, all their first-round picks were hitting for the most part. Um, so I don't think that Gordon and Gordy Clark have done a good job drafting at all, uh, really. I mean, they, they've made some questionable picks. I know some Ranger fans might be more optimistic than I am, but where are the results? You know, prospect score in junior hockey or the AHL all the time, but how is it translating to the NHL level? So, yeah, they wrote the letter, but to me, the letter was their doing. It was their doing. Jeff Gordon's the one that trade away a very high second-round pick to get Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith had one good playoff run, really one good playoff series, you know, uh, paired with Brady Shea, and he gave him a four-year deal with a no-trade clause, and uh, Brendan Smith, you know, they got him playing wing last year. I mean, what a joke. Uh, they, they So I, I don't think he's done a good job, but at the same time, uh, he got he got lucky. He got you know, he, I think he did a good job with the Zibanejad trade. That's uh, one of them. Uh, but the bottom line is this. Not only does Jeff Gordon have to contend with uh, the rest of the uh, the league, I mean, specifically, there have been teams that have been rebuilding before he started his rebuild. The Devils started their rebuild before the Rangers did. The Flyers started their rebuild several years before the Rangers did. Uh, so unless they view themselves as going to eventually ju- leapfrog the Caps and the Pens, who – uh, you know, obviously, they, they, they're all, I guess, uh, aging teams without uh, really good prospect pools or picks in general, so to speak. 
uh, it's going to be a dogfight for the Rangers to become relevant again. And I think that's why they're talking about, you know, that's why they brought J.D. in to, to start enticing veterans to come play for them again and uh, make the Garden uh, packed again. So to answer your question, I, I'd say his job overall has been, I guess, pretty marginal, like decent at best. I, I, don't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted out during the, uh, the trade deadline uh, when he made the Zuccarello deal that, um, you know, an, an NHL agent, a respected NHL agent who is one of the sources that I have, he just texted me well, one thing. He said amateur hour. That's it. That's all he said. So, and there's an agent uh, uh, talking. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm not not a big Sather guy, not a big Gordon guy. But then again, I do understand that uh, Gordon didn't have necessarily the uh, his hands completely free to make moves. Now we're really going to get to see how good of a GM he is because you know Sather for the for the most part's gone and. Uh, you also have to wonder, you know, if he's a little nervous uh, because J.D. came in and uh, J.D. and Jeff Gordon don't have any type of relationship. Uh, J.D. did really well rebuilding St. Louis and rebuilding uh, uh, Columbus, made them into powerhouses. And, you know, the, the GM and the staff that he had there, they, they operate a little bit differently the way Jeff Gordon and Sater do. So you have to wonder. I mean, my, one of my buddies uh, joked with me at the J.D. press conference and he said, Man, Gordon looks nervous as shit <laughs> because you know, <laughs> because well that's it. Uh, look at the Jets. Look at the Jets. They, they had the press conference announcing uh, Geese or whatever his name is, and he said all the right things, and they ended up firing the GM because of him. You know what I mean? A few months later. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think JD said all the right things, but behind closed doors, he might be saying, "Hey, you know what? This Gordon guy's got a freaking year. If t- things don't work out, he's gone." So. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Well, thank God we're not the Jets. So, uh, oh, but don't goodness. you think that you know we, we see like you know they they drafted Elias and their 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 kind of mindset was oh he's the most NHL ready prospect and we saw how that turned out. Now this the last year we see the Rangers kind of go off board a little bit because Kratsov was ranked pretty high and then he was kind of on the lower end of the first round. Don't you think that Jeff Gordon is kind of you know taking more risks on prospects and not just kind of going the safe route, do you think we're going to see kind of that this draft, or do you kind of see him going back to that, let's play it safe? I don't know. It it, it looks like to me like the Rangers don't like, they don't like a whole lot of finesse, and they don't like a whole lot of skill. Now, now I love, I love the Kravtsov pick. I tweeted it out, even though a lot of people were thinking it was going to be Wallstrom. Uh, I had Kravtsov ranked, I think, 15th, just because the Russian factor was a little bit of a concern. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was a great pick uh, that they made. Uh, obviously, that they, they did their homework, and they, they were very secretive about all the trips that they made to Russia to go watch and play until the very end. Uh, so I, it just it, – some of the picks that they make uh, when it comes to building a culture, building an organization, building a winner, whatever you want to say, um, some of the plays that they've drafted, traditionally, you could get plays like that with free agency. You know what I mean? You could get a Brandon Crawley in free agency. You could get, I hate to say this, Elias Anderson in free agency. You know, Pierre Maguire said that he's the next Jesper Fast, and that people freaked out about it. But in a way, like, what has Elias really shown us? And I like the kid. I think he's going to be, you know, if the Rangers do become a cup contender, then if you have Elias on the, on the third line or the fourth line, uh, like a Craig McTavish taking a big draw at the end of a game seven, then, yeah, it works out. Uh, you know, so it's a home run. 
but until they get to that point, we, we just have to, you know, kind of uh, look at them with a little bit of a crooked eye because it's like, you know, they, they, they all say the same. They're not just the Rangers. These are all teams. Every time after every draft, they say the same thing. Oh, we really like this kid. He was hiring on board. Okay, we got it. But l- look at what just happened with the Red Wings. Uh, the 2017 draft, which wasn't a deep draft, by the way, and we all knew it was a weak draft, but uh, five of their 11 picks weren't even signed just two years out. Why are you even showing up? Why, why even pick them then? What, kind, what does that say you guys, uh, the Red Wings, as uh, evaluators, if they, if they don't offer contracts to five draft picks in one draft? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me why you'd waste that type of uh, precious asset. Third, fourth, fifth round pick doesn't matter. Uh, to me, draft picks are assets, and if you uh, – Read Jimmy Devolano's book, and if you if you learn how Neil Smith became Neil Smith, and how Jimmy Devolano and Ken Holland built the Red Wings into what they were, they worshipped draft picks. Neil Smith didn't start trading away draft picks until the Rangers were an established Cup contender, which was very early into his tenure as GM. So you know, I'd like to see them have some type of strategy that 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 matches up with the way that the league is trending: skill, speed. Uh, hockey sense, vision, playmaking. You know, they're drafting scout sons and they're drafting goalies in the second round and they're drafting overages, uh, you know, big kids that can't skate. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, I guess I never will. So for every crab soft that they take, they're, they're really throwing away picks. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit too critical, but at the same time, look, you got one cup in 80 years. All right. They're a losing team. They're no longer a playoff team. The, the Henrik Lundqvist years, for, for all intents and purposes, are over unless they do something drastic, which is, uh, you know, be active in free agency. Uh, so, you know, like I said, to me, I don't think moving forward that Gordy Clark and Jeff Gordon are going to be around. I think that J.D. is going to – he's going to give them a little bit of time, but if, if give it another year or two, uh, if they don't make the playoffs, remember, too, speaking of the division, remember Carolina is another one. Carolina's got a stacked prospect pool. They got a zillion picks, too, coming up. They got Andre Spetsnikov. They got Sebastian Ajo. They're young. They're mobile. They got uh, goalies. They got everything. Uh, and they're also in the division, too. So now you got to figure out uh, – it seems like the list of teams that are leapfrogging the Rangers is going to grow. So they have to do something. Um, and the good news is that, listen, Kako or Hughes could be that person that puts them over the top. You know, it makes them relevant uh, again, more so than any other player in that pipeline. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot is hinging on whichever one of those two gets picked second overall. And I do have a question from you from the boss of Forever Blue Shirts. Anthony wanted me to ask you a question. He knew you were coming on. Uh, So with Kako, like you said, in the lineup opening night, how do you see this lineup taking shape? Um, If the Rangers do take Kako or Hughes, what if you could give me a quick rundown of what your ideal with who they have, maybe include who you'd like them to see at 20 as well. What is your ideal like Ranger opening night lineup in October look like? Uh, well, first of all, the, the ideal lineup is get rid of everybody on defense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that would be, I mean, that would be a start. I think the, I think the forward group is fine. When you watch the forward, even last year, uh, people want to talk about the inconsistencies. That's fine. But, Zabanajad was a dominant player last year. Kreider had one of his best seasons as a Ranger. But Schnevich, uh, when he got his wake-up call, which was, I think, wake-up call 1,000, but he still got another wake-up call, uh, he was excellent. Uh, Ryan Strom, listen, uh, they got – I don't know if it's because he, he 
he got an opportunity and the team was losing and there wasn't a lot of pressure, but he was able to contribute. Nemestikov was able to contribute, uh, you know, but then you got all the rookies. So ideally I would, I would structure a bottom six with mostly kids. Throw in a couple of veterans here or there. If you want to keep fast down there, that's fine. Um, I, again, I, I don't know what their plan is. Are they going to go hard after Panarin? Technically, they could, based on the UFAs available. I mean, they could bring back Zook if they want. Uh, they could maybe outbid. Uh, they could outbid Philly for Kevin Hayes, which might be tough. But you know, I, I get the sense that uh, Dave Quinn is a big fan of Kevin Hayes, and that uh, Kevin Hayes had his best season as a Ranger under Kevin uh, uh, under uh, Dave Quinn. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is all speculation, by the way. I, I don't want to, you know, make it like that they're going to bring back the two guys that they traded at the deadline. But I, I do see them being young again. I see them being uh, young. Brendan Lemieux uh, had a very nice uh, cup of coffee, I guess, as a depth player, and he might have a brighter future, maybe as a, as a second liner, hopefully one day, or even a third liner. So I, I think that they have exciting players in place. I just don't know if what they say is going to happen. If they say that they're going to uh, be active, you know, J.D. at his press conference said it. We, you know, we have a lot of cap space. So we, we, we're going to be aggressive, I think, was the word he used, be aggressive. Well, what does that mean? You know, being aggressive means they're either going to trade away all the dead weight or they're going to sign a lot of free agents. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll have to see that. But I, if, they, if they draft Kako, he could play right wing, he could play left wing, but I think right wing is ideal for him. If that's the case, then you, you got to figure it's going to be a top line of the Banajed, Kreider, and Kako. And I think all three of them would, would really complement each other. If it's Jack Hughes, all right, you, you get a top line of Buchnevich, Kreider, and Zabanajed. And then after that, you got Jack Hughes and you need a couple of finishes. Krabsov, is he going to be there? Uh, you got to factor that in. Is he going to stay at wing? What line does he play on? A lot of questions. So um, I wouldn't. I'll tell you without without a doubt. So talking about the forward ranks, get rid of Jimmy Vesey without a doubt. Uh, unless Jack Hughes can make him a, a forty goal scorer, Jimmy Vesey to me easily easily. And I watch a lot of kids play hockey. Is one of the lowest IQ players I've ever seen play in a Rangers uniform. And he and he's a Harvard kid. So obviously it's not it's not uh, book related or uh, you know academic related. For some reason Jimmy Vesey is one of the worst decision making players. Period. And I'd like to see him go. I, I just don't think he's a very good player. Um, so uh, maybe, you know, if you, you, you knock him down and you, you put uh, Krabsov on his wing spot, but if you, if you think about it, if they don't go and make big moves uh, free agent wise or trade wise, uh, that defense is really going to hold them back. It's really going to hold them back unless they try to do the, like a Pittsburgh model and just, you know, have superstars all throughout the lineup. Uh, how, how, how are you going to sustain uh, pressure and how you're going to move the puck. And, and I, like I said, I like Tony D'Angelo a lot. I really do. I, and I even like Neil Peon for all his warts. He's, he's made some pretty bad decisions. Brady Shea makes a lot of bad decisions too, but he looked pretty good at the world championships. Um, so maybe you keep Shea, you keep D'Angelo, maybe you keep Peon, but then again, you, you're going to be trusting young kids. Who's going to get benched? I think Shattenkirk is terrible. Get rid of him. Uh, Stall's terrible, even though he they say he rebounded a stall rebound here last year. He still marks stall. Uh, uh, so I don't think they're going to go anywhere until they fix that defense. But you know, like I said, at what cost? How are they going to do it? Are they going to buy out contracts? They're going to have to take on salary uh, to move them, trade away draft picks. Uh, 
you know, a lot of questions. I wish I had the answers, but I don't. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for coming on the show. We always appreciate you having, uh, having you on here. And I know that just like all of us, you'll be glued to the TV June 21st to see how this crazy first round is going to play out. No, I'll be there. I'll be there. And if they make a mistake, I'm going to be cursing at them from the rafters. <laughs> That's awesome. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate your time, man. And good luck with your car. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. I love talking to Steve because the guy's just straightforward. Yeah, no. He, he, and he doesn't even tiptoe around anything. I think at least 15 times we were looking at each other like, just like, oh, he said what I wanted to ask him. So I was trying to scramble around asking for questions. But, yeah, he a lot of things uh, – the most interesting thing that he said that kind of took me by surprise was Jeff Gordon has done a terrible job. And, yes, if, if you really do look at it that way, if you look at his whole tenure, he has not done good. He's made bad contract choices. He's made, uh, he's made difficult – like Eric Stahl trade was uh, – well, we can talk about that in nauseam. But that's also A.B.'s fault for not playing him on the first line. But – you know, he, he does have a good point. You know, the Rangers made questionable draft choices, you know. It, and like you said with Leas Anderson, it's, it's not going to mean anything. It's going to be a bust if he doesn't pan out, which is the bottom line. If Leas Anderson doesn't pan out, it's a bad pick, which you mean it was a bad trade that he did. So it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, but, you know, he is straightforward. He, he says what he's thinking. And, you know, I appreciate it because he does bring a different type of insight into it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, like I said, like the guy's extremely straightforward. He knows what the Rangers need. He knows they need injections of speed, skill, playmaking. And I honestly, I agree with him. I hope they do target one of these guys like Broberg, Soderstrom, Sider, York, one of these big, like not even necessarily big, but just s- smart yeah, defensive, smart guys. Defenseman. Someone, not know, even just shut down, but smart guys yeah. that can get the puck up the ice, guys that can control the play, guys like he's saying, like a Ryan Quinn, McDonough type of player, but with where, more with, skill. Yeah, with and more guys skill. That, that a guy that David Quick could throw out there and just say, okay, this power play is yours. You have Vitali, you have Capo, uh, you have you have Kako, you have Zibanejad, and you have you know whoever else you want to put out there. It's your power play. Control it. Get the puck past the goaltender. So I mean, I love talking to the guy, and you know, it's going to be two weeks, people. Mm-hmm. Two weeks until we find out if. You know, if it's Cocker Hughes, we find out what happens at 20. If we find out we move up, it's it's, 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 it's a, a win-win. win-win. But this draft is going to be – this draft season and this offseason is going to be amazing. Kevin, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Well, I, I did have a, a small disagreement with him about the defense. I think we have a lot of players in the pipeline, and adding Fox was a huge jump start to that, definitely. But you have Niels Lundqvist. You have Keandre Miller that's coming in a few years. Um, it's just like, you. do you want to use your 20th overall pick to get that shutdown defenseman? Or do you want to bolster that forward group because you might not have some of these guys next year? You might not have Chris Carter. You might not have Ryan Strom. Uh, you might not have uh, a good chunk of your forward core because they're all out for next season. So he, he's make, he makes good points about, you know, they, they have to leapfrog these other contenders, you know, the Blue Jackets, the, the, the Capitals, the Penguins, the, the Hurricanes, uh, the Islanders. And possibly even the Devils, because, you know, they're revamping also. If they, they get Jack Hughes, it's, it's over. It's a whole new rivalry all over again. So, we'll see. You know, it, it, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm excited two more weeks from today. It's going to be a very interesting draft day. Everyone, thanks for listening in. You know, as always, we appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast. Please let us know if there's anything you'd like us to change, anything you'd like us to improve, things you'd like to hear, people you'd like to, you know, you'd like us to have Questions on. Questions you might want answered, answer. you know, anything Please, like let that. us know. So thank you once again for your listening. 
Um, we always appreciate our listeners, readers to the site. Please keep going to foreverblueshirts.com. Read the great articles people are putting up, analysis, mock drafts. Anything my mock draft will be up after the Stanley Cup final. Yes, anything Stat Boy Steven puts up, that guy is awesome. I like literally every other day. Okay, I got the yeah. Stanley Cup. Anything, you know, John Paro, <laughs> Jordan Goldberg, anything these guys do, you know, these guys do it out of the love for the game, love for the sport, love for the New York Rangers. So please give these guys, you know, read, listen to us on the podcast, and please, like I said, let us know. We will talk to you guys again, most likely after the entry draft, where I will – me and whoever my co-host will be at that time will be talking to the, the Hockey News' own prospect guru, Mr. Ryan Kennedy, which is going to be a great episode, and we break down exactly what the New York Rangers did at the entry draft. Yeah, and thank you again to our boss, uh, Anthony. He, without him, this wouldn't be possible, so thank you. Yeah. And big boss Ant. Yeah, and as always, Ant, yeah, and thank Godfather. you for making – honestly, yeah, he, Kevin's right. And thank you for making this all possible as always. Much love, brother. Have a good week, guys. Have a good two weeks, actually. It's almost Kako time, people. Enjoy it. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.